There are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am someone, and I'm here to tell you that for the next two episodes, we're taking a little holiday break. But don't worry, dear ones, we would never leave you without a little darkness. For today, we've selected three of Stranger's best stories, and the next week, you'll hear a collection of mine. Also, check back here on Christmas Day. There might be a surprise waiting. Now, that's enough business. Stranger is waiting, and we have nightmares to relive. From Episode 6, The Places Below Four girls loitered in the woods on a worn-out hiking trail, and one of them was bleeding. The red droplets fell from the gash on her brow as she undid the laces of her ill-fitting boots. It took her a while to work the knots loose, as her fingers were stiff and misshapen. Hey, freak, what the fuck are you doing? said her tormentor, a tall, sneering girl with good aim and another rock ready to throw. She probably doesn't want to wear them since she practically is a wild animal. I overheard the adults whispering that when they found her in the woods, she didn't even remember her own name, said a girl who was the exact opposite of the group's leader. Short, and with a smile of someone just happy to have been invited along. You're wrong, said the pale girl, now stripping off her long socks. I didn't forget it. I just don't want you to know it. She sank her ghostly white feet into the slick layer of damp leaves and dark soil. Under her skin, bluish veins laced up from between her long toes, disappearing under the worn cuff of old jeans that hung off her thin frame. She stood back up, just as the welled blood across the gash on her forehead spilled over, leaving a red trail as it snaked down her face. It's because she's a fucking freak, said the bully, raising the rock over her head. Since you seem to like the first one so much, how about another? The pale girl's hands were curled up like dead spiders as she cradled them against her chest. She made no attempt to move out of the way as another projectile flew towards her. This rock was much larger than the first, and it split the girl's lip the instant it struck. Dark red blood filled the crease between her closed lips, and then poured down her chin as her mouth curled into a smile that did not reach her gray eyes. Why did you invite me to come play with you? She asked, her torn lip pressed hard into the pee sound when she spoke, sending a burst of red flecks from her mouth. Ugh, she's probably trying to give us rabies. Just push her in already. The redness drained from the face of the bully's accomplice, and the stubby, freckled girl glanced over at a dark split in the forest floor behind their would-be victim. It was a huge crevice, unknowingly deep and lined with jagged rocks that looked like teeth in a slack-jawed maw. One shove is all it would take. But despite the harsh commands being yelled at her, the other girl remained frozen in place, 
the outcast ignored the two others and turned her attention to the third member of their motley pack. She tiptoed through the damp rot of the forest floor until their faces were just a few inches apart. This girl was the youngest by far. She'd stayed silent through the other's wicked game, eyes anchored on the dingy white laces of her red canvas shoes. The color of this one's hair matched that of the rock throwers and was split in a perfect line down the middle with two neat braids resting off kilter behind her bright pink ears. Did your sister tell you what game you'd be playing with the freak from the woods? She asked, hooking a crooked finger around the girl's errant braid. The young girl raised her eyes to peer up at the outcast's face. She was surprised to see a softness in her blood-covered features. The grim smile was gone, and in its place was a red-crusted brow raised in concern. Have you ever heard stories of changelings? The girl's head twitched back and forth, flinching as her older sister screamed at her, demanding she push that freak into the pit. That's okay, I'll tell you, the bloody girl whispered, her tone sweet and comforting. Your fairy tale versions get it wrong most of the time anyway. Above them, bloated gray clouds moved in, turning the white sky dark. They let out a rumble, and then released the storm within them. A long time ago, children weren't allowed to play in the woods. If they went in too far, things would snatch them and swap them out with a disguised one of their own. Some of you say that the human children were raised by changelings as their own, preferring their appearance over their ugly offspring. She paused and looked towards the two other girls before turning back, unimpressed. Others say they were kept as slaves, forced to serve their captors until they died. Neither of these are true, but there are awful things in the woods. And they do have ugly offspring. It's just that sometimes their children are so frightening that they get tricked out into the dark and then they lock the doors behind us. So we're forced to shift into small stringy bodies to survive alone in the human world. Don't talk to my sister, bitch. The leader of the group shoved past her accomplice and lunged, her bright mittened hands balled into fists. But quite quickly, she found herself dangling in midair, the tips of her wet black sneakers swinging inches out of the fresh mud. The changeling tilted back her head and let out a sigh of relief. Jutting out of her dirty blue coat sleeve was a hand that did not match the other, still curled up and trembling. The skin had turned to smooth scales with the same snowy white complexion. The weak misshapen fingers had unfolded into long creeping versions, each tipped with a milky sharp claw that sunk into the bully's face and neck, holding her in midair with ease. The sweet smell of rain became tinged with the sharp smell of urine-soaked jeans that came off the short girl 
too frightened to move. Anyway, the changeling said, sounding bored when the tallest girl's feet had stopped kicking. Can I tell you a secret? I'm not very good at changing. Do you see these? She asked, holding her still human hand out for the young girl to inspect. Ignoring that the child's eyes were shut tight. The ends of each of her fingers were red and swollen. And something smooth bulged and flexed under the thin, tight skin. I've never been able to fold my claws down enough for them to fit, she admitted. They're too big, and I like using them too much. There was a soft squelching sound. Bones popped as they worked themselves into new positions. Fabric tore, and heavy footsteps mixed with the rolling thunder and rain. Then a thud, and then another, as dead weight hit the ground, and all that was left was the patter of rain. Your sister and her friend came out here to harm a strange, lonely girl and brought an innocent along to be tainted like them. They're worse than us creatures in the shadows. We're merely hungry. The young girl let out a choked whimper when something wet and sharp traced her cheek. But even still, they did me a kindness and showed me a new door. This one's unlocked, and it'll bring me back to my home. And their flesh I will share with my siblings. I will earn my place in the darkness again. For that, she growled, I will return a kindness of my own. If you find yourself in the woods, call out my name, and I will find you wherever you are. And I will lend you my claws, but only once. Call my name again, and you will be reunited with your sister. For I am far too hungry, and one favors already too much. Then the changeling shook the cords in her throat and released the sound of her name into the ear of the small girl, who would never forget it along with the glimpses of pale white skin, splattered with red, dragging two limp and wet masses into the craggy split of the earth. What the girl didn't remember was how she got home, and then only parts of the weeks that came after. First, there were police with scratchy blankets, then doctors and nurses that dressed her in thin hospital gowns, then there were therapists with toys that didn't smell like home. And then finally there was no one. And she was alone. Years passed and the girl was not so young anymore. But she was still not old enough to know what was happening when a boy took her out into the woods. It wasn't until after she said no. But she still felt his cold fingers under the clasp of her bra that she realized his danger 
What did you say? He huffed in her ear, but she'd already said it once and would not be repeating the name of the creature that had already begun to snake out of the dark. Close your eyes, little one, she heard the pale girl say, but she kept them open this time. The glimpses she had of the changeling's true form on that day years ago became a fully fleshed vision of something that no other human had been allowed to survive. Muscles and sinew rippled under the blue-veined skin. Translucent white claws met no resistance as they entered the boy's mouth, open and screaming, and made their slow journey through flesh, teeth, tongue, and bone. If she had closed her eyes, she wouldn't have seen the same claws then gently unwrap the boy's sheepskin-lined coat and watched lifeless limbs slip from the sleeves. You have less fear than the last time I smelled you, said the changeling, holding out the coat on her tendril-like finger. Of you, maybe, but not them, she said, nodding at the mangled body on the ground. She slipped on the coat. The blood on the collar was sticky, but it was still warm, and the girl, aged more now by life than time, was just grateful to be out of the cold. Will I see you again? The girl asked. I told you I'd come once, and no more. So my kindness is done, but I wonder if you feel just as lost in that world as I did. You could come with me, you know. I thought you didn't take human children, said the girl. Not for the reasons your stories say. My children are beautiful, just as terrifying as I. And as you could be too, if you wanted, little one. I'm not dangerous like you. If I did go with you, would you lend me your claws again? Hmm, no. I promised just once, and I'm bound by my word. But you fit in that skin so neatly. I could make you a new promise. Follow me down, and when we get hungry, hunt with me. Save me from ever having to fold back my claws again. To hide my true form just to lure and prey. You do that, you will not have to borrow as I will give you your own. For the second time, the changeling kept her word. With fresh meat in her jaws, she returned to the forest with one finger bleeding and now a great deal shorter than the rest. So not one, but two human lives ended in the woods on that night. One in the dirt, and the other when a girl, less human now, with a claw of her own held in her fist, followed her new mother into the places below. From episode four, put them back. If it didn't grow back, Oscar didn't change it. He kept his hair trimmed, 
his beard neat, and every other Sunday he clipped and filed each of his nails. He had nothing against permanent body modifications. He dated both men and women who had tattoos in various places. It was just something he'd never been interested in for himself. In fact, aside from 26 years of natural aging, Oscar had stayed in essentially the same condition as when he arrived in this world, slippery and squalling, having never suffered so much as a cavity in his nearly three decades of life. That is, until this last year, when he had gotten strep throat enough times that he had built a rapport with the urgent care staff, who finally suggested it was probably time for a more permanent fix. On the drive home from the surgery a few weeks later, he slept with his head leaned against his friend's passenger window and was only vaguely aware as he was gently coaxed into his bed like a massive, sleepy toddler. And when Oscar woke up, it was dark. His throat throbbed with unchecked pain from the two incisions from his tonsillectomy. The numbers on his clock were blurry, but he could make out enough to see that it was three-something in the morning, well past when he was supposed to have re-upped on painkillers. He threw a hand out into the dark and patted the crowded nightstand. But between the pain and lingering anesthesia, the little orange bottle of pills he'd picked up the day before eluded him. Fuck, he mumbled, his voice thick with sleep and swelling. Rummaging near his head, he found the cold surface of his phone, and soon the flashlight flooded the room with a sterile white-blue glow. Two Percocets washed down his throat and a mouthful of flat lime LaCroix a moment later. He switched off the light and was sipping the lukewarm drink, when something flickered in the corner of his eye, but all he had room for in his mind at that moment was shoving his head back into the depths of his pillow. Despite his best efforts, though, his eyes began to adjust to the dark, and the flicker turned into a shape. The can slipped from his hand, down between the bed and nightstand with a wet thunk. Oscar blinked, but it was still there. A figure. No, figures. Pure black and stretched unnaturally towards the ceiling, had begun to separate themselves from the darkness to line the walls of his small room. And that is when the whispering began. Oscar mashed his eyes shut and threw the thin comforter over his head for good measure. Not real, not real, just go back to sleep. But his throat ached and his heart pounded. Outside his comforter, the whispering grew louder. Get it back. Something's find gone. It, find it. Find it. Something's missing. Get it back. Missing. Find it. Find, find it. it. Find Get it. it back. Something's gone. It was no longer whispering, and Oscar could no longer move. He tried to kick his legs or swing his arms, at least turn his head away from the voices away from where the blanket had begun to slip from his face, but to no avail. Within seconds, his face was bare, and he felt the cold fingers on his dry lips, 
and then they were between his teeth, prying his tender mouth open. Something's missing. Something was taken. Something was taken. Oscar lay like a giant rag doll on his bed, fighting to move, and then to breathe as shadowy hands filled his mouth. He gagged, and his lungs screamed for breath. Get it back. Get it back. Get it back. Whether from lack of air or fear, or a combination of both, his consciousness fled his body. Far away from the cortisol and adrenaline coursing through its veins, When Oscar opened his eyes, his room was filled with afternoon light. While his throat still hurt from where his tonsils had been removed, the pills had done their job and stifled his discomfort well enough. He laid there for a moment, shuffling through the fog of his memories, his jaw clenching when he remembered the chilled touch of those ink-colored fingers in the dark. Oscar half rose, half stumbled out of bed, chalking up the night before to a messed up post-surgery nightmare. Maybe that's normal, after having gone under. That's all they were, he decided, and in his mind the dark figures were replaced by the thought of the juice in his fridge that promised to wash a sweet coolness over his wounds. He grabbed the glass sitting on the counter but he hadn't even begun to pour before the whispers began again. This time, though, the words were different. Something was missing. Something was missing. Found it. Found it. Found them. Found them back. Found it. Oscar didn't notice the liquid splashing over his bare feet when the jug hit the floor. He was too busy, staring at the two rotten red lumps at the bottom of his cup. Put them back. Found them. Found them. Found them. them. Found them, put them back. Oscar threw the cup containing his tonsils as far away from him as he could, where it shattered against the tile floor. The dark figures felt even colder now that he was fully awake, and they dug and pried at his mouth, pulling him to the ground where he stared at the ceiling as each stitch was ripped out. Put them back. Just as he began to choke on the blood, the hands were gone and he pushed himself onto his side and coughed out a red spray across the floor. Almost ready. Make it whole. Put them back. Make it whole. Something grabbed his feet and began to pull, dragging him back towards the destroyed glass at the edge of the kitchen. Oscar tried to call out, unsure of what help anyone could give him, but desperate for it still. All that came out were more choked and wet gurgles, as his tongue was coated again with a slick, metallic warmth. His feet fell to the floor, and next to his head he heard the tinkling sound of something small being scooped out from shards of glass. He kicked his legs and threw his fists, but while the cold pressure against his chin and shoulders was entirely solid, His flailing limbs went right through the huddled figures. Then all he felt was cold on his tongue. All he saw was darkness, and all he tasted was blood. 
He bit down hard as he whipped his head away from the black shapes. But there was no need anymore. They'd already removed their fingers to hold his mouth closed instead. At that moment, Oscar realized he had two choices. Choke on his own wretched tonsils and have it all end here, soaked in blood and juice. Or... He didn't even stop to think through the second option. Scared he wouldn't be able to force himself to do it before the decision was made for him. He swallowed. Not the same. Still something's wrong. Not Not the same. Still wrong. The figures scattered and regathered in flashes of black. Oscar felt his mouth being wrenched open again. But before the shadowed hands made their way to the back of his throat, Oscar put the last of his air in his lungs to use. Get the fuck away from me, he shouted. The figures pulled away as if blown back by the force of his words. Oscar pulled in another breath and emptied it all into one last phrase. Get out, the whispering stopped. And the light filled the room in uninterrupted rays through the windows. He let the blood pour out of his mouth and down his chest. Eventually, he made his way to the bathroom, where he stood for a while with his face right up to the mirror, mouth open wide. After he pulled the sliver of glass from the side of his tongue, he sat on the floor and disassociated until the dark red contents of his stomach made their ascent up and out. Well, everything's healed, but it looks pretty rough, said his surgeon a few weeks later. Did the stitches pop out early? Yeah, quite a few of them, actually, said Oscar. You didn't call the office? You really should have gotten that restitched. Hmm, probably. I guess I just didn't want anything else sharp digging around in there. He watched as the surgeon's eyes narrowed, the freshly healed scars that decorated the corners of his mouth. He knew what they looked like. Scratches. That's new, said the surgeon, changing the subject. I don't think you had that when I first saw you. Oh, yeah, Oscar said, glancing down at the half-healed tattoo wrapped around his forearm. I don't know, I just felt like it was time to do something a little different. Hello everyone. In between stories, we like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For December, we decided to highlight Anira. This is a nonprofit that is dedicated to providing crucial humanitarian aid and sustainable development in the Middle East, and specifically helps refugees and others hurt by conflicts in Palestine, Lebanon, and Jordan. You can find out more and donate at www.anira.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. From Episode 10, The Guest. The Crown Hotel did not live up to its name. That's not to say it wasn't a nice enough place to stay. It just wasn't the first place you'd think of and you'd imagine a luxury getaway, 
At least, not anymore. Plush red velvet that hung from every corner. The mahogany that hadn't been properly polished for years, but still somehow reflected each light of the crystal chandelier. All merely hints to what this place used to be when it had a little less of a history. What that history was, exactly. Not many, if any, of the current staff knew. They speculated, sure. But all they really knew was that something happened at the Crown Hotel in the 90s, and that the owners had to fight to keep it open for years afterward, only to now have its biggest draw be a free continental breakfast. But that was a long time ago, and the subject was rarely mentioned by anyone other than curious new hires, when, or even if, they noticed that room 206 remained empty, no matter what. Some of the staff who had been there a while would then share their stories about the things they've supposedly heard from that room. Screams, footsteps, singing, and even once, a baby crying. But really, it was just a room, and nothing more. Its ever-changing legend fueled occasionally with bored speculation by the overnight staff. In fact, the first time Room 206 had been brought up for months was when it was requested specifically by an incoming and unexpected guest. Yes, 206, confirmed the old woman with a polite smile when she was asked if she was sure that it was that room that she wanted. The woman was beyond old, ancient even, the type of old that was startling to see if you weren't expecting it. As if some part of the human mind knows that at a certain point, the flesh is due back to the earth, and any time beyond that must be borrowed. A clerk with a crooked name tag that read Lisa was behind the desk. She hadn't been there long, but knew there was something about a room that was supposedly off-limits, and she was Pretty sure it was that one, but how the old woman just stared at her without blinking made her uncomfortable. Her supervisor was on break, plus the chapter of her new book had just started to get good. So she shrugged off the half-memory of some rule about one of the second floor rooms, and took the woman's information, which wasn't much, and traded her outdated cash for a key stamped with 206. I was born in that room, you know, the old woman told Lisa, who hadn't asked. It was a messy affair, to be sure, but I think there's something so special about seeing where you came from. The clerk nodded and wished this conversation had never started and just wanted the woman to stop staring at her like that. Would you like some help to your room? Hoping to nudge the new guest on her way. The old woman accepted the offer, revealing gray teeth and a wide smile. After mouthing an I'm sorry to the bellboy, who was not thrilled that there was actually something for him to do, Lisa went back to her book. Did someone come in? Asked her supervisor when he came back from his break. Yeah, but I checked them in okay, said Lisa, not looking up. Her supervisor, a lanky man, barely older than Lisa, leaned over her shoulder to check the computer screen that was still open. Wait, 
206? You just booked 206? He asked. Shit, she thought. Yes, that is what you pay me for, isn't it? Asked Lisa, her cheeks feeling hot. People come in, I take their money, I give them their key, she said, playing dumb and sounding much more confident than she felt. Whatever, I don't get paid enough to worry about it, he said, and with a sigh, he returned the computer screen to home, sat down and pulled out his own book. The old woman was up to her room by now, but Lisa couldn't help but feel like she was still being stared at. And finally, curiosity became the only effective distraction. What's up with 206? What happened? She asked, abandoning her book in her lap. I don't know. Someone died, maybe, he said, waving her off. But people die in hotels all the time. I follow this mortician on Instagram, and they say that it's way more common than people think. You and I have very different types of videos in our feeds, he said, still reading. You know, the lady I checked in, she said she was born in that room. That seemed to get his attention. The scrunched look of mild disgust prompted Lisa to give a detailed description of the woman, and she enjoyed watching his expression sink deeper across his face. Do you think that's what it was? She asked. Mm, as gross as birth and babies are, just as a whole, I highly doubt it's something that would have nearly gotten this dump shut down back in the day. Plus, I might not be that great at math, but based on the description you gave of Miss Walking Dead, I doubt her birthday is in the 90s. Unless it was the 1890s. Lisa snorted. Have you ever looked it up? God, no. This is the most I've heard anyone talk about it, and I have a strict policy about thinking about work, which is that I do it as little as possible. Okay, well, now I have to, she said, pulling out her phone. Um, you're not supposed to have your phone out while working, but you know what? I, I don't care, he said. Dude, said Lisa, holding her phone in both hands. Look. Well, you're going to show me something gross, aren't you, you weirdo? Zooming in on the screen was a short Wikipedia article about the hotel, stating that three of the staff had died in room 206 in what the local police called a ritualistic killing and left one survivor. A baby that was found on the floor by one of the beds, naked, screaming, and covered in blood. See, someone died. I was right, he said, shooing her phone from his face. The bell on the desk rang, and they both jumped from the sudden sharp ding. Excuse me? Said a soft voice from the lobby. Hi, how can I help you? The rest of what Lisa was going to say got stuck in her throat when she saw the young woman, barely out of her teens. Could I... could I have some towels sent up to my room? She asked, staring at Lisa, her bright eyes unblinking. She was completely naked, and her long gray hair was slick with red at the ends. It stuck to her bare chest in thick, wet strands. I'm in room 206. Things got a little bit messy up there, she said, sinking a blood-covered finger in her mouth, licking it clean. Then she smiled, and Lisa stared, frozen, as the woman began to climb over the desk, 
her gray teeth swirled with red. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquike. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its.